We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Good morning, Grinders. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender at Blender HD. If you want to follow me on Twitter. And it's Tuesday, Tuesday, September 13th. Joining you in the morning. What are we doing on Tuesday? Tuesday's kind of a toss-up. It's toss-up Tuesdays where you get to go in the YouTube chat. I see you guys in there. You ask any questions you want, fine. Even if it's stupid questions are fine. Tuesdays, we're fine. We're tossing it up. We're tossing it. I may be throwing it up, right? Depending on the questions that you ask. But it's a toss-up Tuesday. We got we had showdown last night. I did fine in the first half, right? Seahawks, Geno Smith is cooking, and then kind of died out, right? Then then my lineup was going right, right down to the bottom. So uh, so wasn't a good showdown slate for me. Uh, but I, I did I did well over the weekend in NFL, not in GPP, but in cash games on both sides. So it was a profitable, profitable NFL week for me. Was it a profitable one for you? Well, I mean, if you're playing just GPPs, you're going to lose like 80% of the time plus. So that that should be normal. That should be normal. But hey, guys in the, the YouTube chat, Watasuki Singh, Sharpshooter, David Buchanan, give those dummy thumbs. You know how much I love those dummy thumbs. It helps us out here on the channel. You're getting this for free. You might as well just hit that thumbs up button. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. Tuesday's kind of a light day for NFL, right? We're kind of getting getting uh, stuff adjusted for, for next, next week's slate, week two. We got the, the Thursday showdown slate, stuff like that. So we got the Food for Thought podcast, right? Will and then 
Justin Carlucci, right? Just, just subscribe there on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and uh, and check that out. Uh, but we we always have a lot of NFL content. We got MLB, MLB tonight. Yeah, that's still going on. Right, we'll go Grinders Live later tonight. And uh, and yeah, all this other stuff that we have on the channel. If you got if you got questions, I got answers. Type them in the YouTube chat. If you hey, if you're listening later on the podcast feed, well, feel free to shout your questions. Maybe I'll hear them for tomorrow. Maybe. Maybe if you're close enough. Good morning, Matt Mears. Good morning, uh, Woo Woo J Train. Good morning. How how was how was you how was your week in NFL? Much more chalk. I mean, the chalk, chalky stuff hit. I mean, if you take a look at, you know, this is the mega millionaire. So this is the 634 entries. And we could see pretty much that. I mean, not all of it did, right? But in this mega millionaire, I mean, McCaffrey, Pittman, Kelsey. I mean, McCaffrey didn't hit, but I mean, a lot of people had McCaffrey. Ended up showing up in top 1% lineups in this contest. But Barkley, Dotson, right? The Miami defense. Justin Jefferson, I mean, it's a lot of a lot of the chalk. I mean, yeah, Marquise Brown, 14 points is, I mean, it's not going to probably win you everything, but it's it's not a bad score. But a much more chalky, chalky week one, right? Which is why I did well in cash games, right? That's you play cash games, you, you play, you play the chalk, right? You play the, the common construction. Maybe you're duped a ton of times in double ups. And uh, especially in the first uh, first couple of weeks, you get a lot of a lot of dead money. Right? Can we find a double up in here? Do we have we have a mass massive massive twenty five dollar double up? Okay, so that we have the massive twenty five dollar double up in here. Like we could look and just see like the ownership percentages just of double ups, right? So like Pittman sixty five percent, McCaffrey fifty two, Hertz forty eight, Bark Barkley thirty one, twenty nine, twenty eight, twenty six for Marquise Brown, right? Randall Cobb was twenty percent owned. We could like look here. It's like this. Welcome to my player pool for 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 cash games on DraftKings. Just a matter of what which combination were you going to play? You know, we have a two v two, a three v three, stuff like that. But if you take a look, we'd look at the leaderboard. We're not going to be able to go all the way down, right? We can't go all to. We could go down. Okay, we can. Okay, is this all? Yeah, ninety one, ninety five. Now, if we take a look, I I should be in this contest. So let's. I'm not at the bottom. But let's go all the way back up to the top and let's see. Can we find me in here? Yeah, I'm I'm in I'm in this uh tie right here. So this is the this is the lineup that I played for with 14 others, right? 14 total. Hertz. I scored what I scored 162.92. Hertz, McCaffrey, Barkley, Pittman, Juju, Cobb, Kelsey, Thielen, Washington defense. And I wasn't all that thrilled about playing Adam Thielen. I wasn't all that thrilled about playing a lot of these players. Pretty much I was going to play Hertz, McCaffrey, Barkley, Pittman, Kelsey, and either the Washington or the Dolphins defense. And then the rest is like, I don't know. I don't know what. I, whatever I could do in the rest, that's fine with me. And I just settled on, uh, I had Christian, I could have played Christian Kirk in my pool that could fit these last spots were like Christian Kirk, uh, Romeo Dobbs, Jahan Dotson, Adam Thielen, uh, was there anyone else really in those uh, uh, Damian Pierce? Maybe I would have gone up on defense. I would have a little extra money left. And I just, I just sided on these are the later players. These are the players in the later games, right? So if I played Dotson Kirk, it would, it wouldn't give me as much uh, optionality to switch out 
of like not playing Kel- like I could switch Kelsey out for someone else. If I was down and not play Kelsey and then go up, I could end up with Jefferson in this lineup if I if needed. So that's why that that's the main reason. I, I wasn't big on I wanted to play Jahan Dotson over Randall Cobb, and I wanted to play uh Christian Kirk over Adam Thielen, which would have been great. And then I could have just gone up to the Dolphins defense. I wouldn't have made any extra more money in this double up because I already doubled up, right? I already got, I got to the line. I, I I made it. I made it. So the difference in points, I would have had like 190 or something. Maybe I would have won a couple of more head-to-heads, even though I won 65% of my head-to-heads anyway. But that was the main reason. I wasn't thrilled. And FanDuel, FanDuel, I crushed because I played Mixon over McCaffrey and that allowed me to get up to uh, Dolphins defense, Saquon Barkley. I was, I was great there. So that was fine. That's the reason here. Now, any other week, if this was 10 weeks later, this lineup would have, wouldn't have cashed. I would have I would have lost on DraftKings yesterday in double ups. Because if you take a look at where the where the cash line was, like I was like right on the cash line. Right? 162, like 161-ish, depending on the contest, was the cash line. But if we what's the reason why the cash line was low enough to do that is because in the first couple of weeks, especially as the weeks go by, the the worst and worst players lose their money, right? That's what ends up happening by 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 week by week fourteen. You're not going to see as many bad lineups, so that's why like I like going to the bottom, the bottom of contest and see what people put in, right? Not people I've ever heard of or anything, but just, these are the lineups that I'm competing. With. Like like someone scored. There's a double up lineup. And I'm assuming the last five spots in this contest were just lineups that just someone didn't even enter. Just, I'm putting 25 bucks and even submit a lineup. We go to the bottom and we just make fun of these people, right? Jason Maddie, no no offense if you're watching, whatever. Okay, obviously, I don't know what the hell, I don't know, okay. Sandro Platzgummer was in his, okay, some screwed up lineup that's not even all filled out or something. We take a look. Okay, all the way at, okay, here's, here's one. Rogers, Henry, Kamara, Marky. I've got Marquise Brown. Okay, there's that's fine. Yeah, it's kind of kind of hard to win when you play Amir Abdullah in your lineup. Amari Rogers at nothing. I mean, like, look, let, look at this line. Like, this is a bang bang your head against the keyboard. I, squ- I spent fifty thousand, sure. So this is like this, these are like rake payer lineups, right? You take a look at the bottom here. It's like at least they played all starters. But I'm saying in comparison to like, from a projection standpoint, this lineup is awful, right? Amari Cooper, Darnell Moody, Sammy Watkins. I mean, look at look look at these lineups. I mean, we could scroll up even more. Like we go here, go over here. Khalif Raymond is in this lineup. Like, what 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 are, what are people doing? Right, we scroll up even more over here. Oh, Devonte Adams is in here, but like George Kittle that didn't even play. Yeah, spent fifty nine hundred on a tight end that that literally was out, and Garoppolo, right? Just in case, right? That the if if Kittle's going to just miraculously uh, appear on the actives, he was inactive. Why not play the backup quarterback as well? Why why not? Why not correlate it? Why not correlate it? Okay. So sometimes I just like going through some. I mean, no offense to these individual people, but as a group, it's like. You take a look at some of these lineups and it's like, how, how, how did you, how did you get there? This one at least had a couple of players that was seem, seemingly, seemingly fine. 
It's an awful, awful. I mean, it's a horrible cash lineup, but at least it's like, okay, not, not players that are playing. I mean, take, just take a look and you're like, well, how does Marvin Jones make your cash lineup? How does, I mean, this in, in, a, in a vacuum, some of the individual players are like, if you saw one of these players in a cash lineup with like seven others that like should have, you should have appeared in cash lineups, that, that would be one thing. Like, oh, oh, Marquez battling Stantling instead of Juju. I'd be like, okay. But everything else was kind of like McCaffrey, Barkley, Pittman, you know, and I'm like, okay. I would have done it, but at least, you know, there's some semblance of an idea, right? We go up over here, like Henry and Kamara paying up. It's okay. His pet Pittman, but Alec Pierce, Kadarius Tony, he's essentially the fourth receiver for the Giants. You look at some of these lineups and you go, I don't, I don't, I don't even know how people get there. Right? We scroll up, this guy. Right? See, so Max Williams. Oh, you're punting at least. It's 2,700 to get a nothing. Right, you take a look at some of these lineups and you go, I don't know, I don't know what they expected. Like in a vacuum, like some of these, like some of some of these players, it's like, oh, if you had Najee Harris and Cash on DraftKings instead of Barkley. But everything else in your lineup looks sensible. It's be like, okay, you lost, but uh, you know, you lost by 20 points to the cash line, you got 140 or something, and be like, okay, you may. You may have made one slight mistake, but the difference between Harris and Barkley in projection wasn't that dramatic. Your lineup as a whole projected decently. So you take a look at a lineup like this and go, I don't know about Josh Jacobs here, but still in general, it's like this This is not like a bad lineup. I would say it's more of a GPP lineup, if anything. Right? You look through here, it's like, okay, Jonathan Taylor, Elijah, I mean, it's not like Elijah Mitchell wasn't viable. Right, AJ. I don't know why you're playing AJ Green in cash. Goddard was fine. I mean, you take a look at that. You're paying up 4,100 for defense in cash games. That's probably not optimal. So it's like you get down to some of these lineups, and it's like, like here's Mahomes, Henry, Mitchell, Tanyan, Uzuma. Why are you playing Uzuma in your utility? Why? What's going on here? Why is Darnell? Why are you playing Darnell Mooney in cash? Kamara, Jones, Pierce. I mean, the ownership ain't bad, right? I mean, at least double digits on a bunch of guys, but it's like, this is not this is not a very skillful cash lineup. At least it's all players that are like, okay. That's why I said, like, if you play Darnell Mooney instead of, I don't even know, 50, instead of Marquise Brown in that slot or something like that, and the rest of your lineup was fine, if you played a weird defense and you still played Kelsey and Pittman and Barkley and Hurts, like, those are small mistakes. Those those are mistakes that those are once we get to week 10, you'll see those. Those would be the losing lineups. Maybe not all the way at the bottom, but you'll see that those would be the lineups that's like, ah, oh, yeah, you see, they I don't know why you played that guy. I don't know why you played those two guys. Like that. They weren't even cash consideration at all. But I mean, we look at some of these lineups where it's like more than half the players I'm in it, I'm going, I don't know how you how you got to them. From a from a median projection standpoint, well, the the thing is, is that they're not using median projections, right? Or they're stacking, or they're building a lineup that's more conducive to GPPs. Like, oh, well, I got to stack, I got to run it back, I got to do it. No, you don't got to do any of that. Right? Take a look, Donovan Peoples Jones. Like, what 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 are people doing here? Miles Sanders, Elijah Mitchell. 
with Hunter Renfro. It's like you look at this and you go, if if you if, if all of your players in cash games are single digit owned, you, you screwed up. Right? It doesn't matter how well they did or how bad the other guys did, it just you screwed up. So you can see here in like week one, like we're getting, I mean, look, we, we go pages upon pages. I mean, I could go even further up. I mean, look how many player people scored 120, 130. We go look at this lineup, right? McCaffrey, Jones, Brown, AJ Brown. I mean, in, in a vacuum, this lineup isn't horrible. It doesn't project as well as the lineups that you could have made. But I mean, in a vacuum, this isn't like bad, bad. It's obvious mistakes. Like here, I mean, Eckler, Swift, like why aren't you playing Barkley? You played Pittman. Why aren't you getting Nick Kelsey? Like anyone that paid down at tight end got just screwed. Kelsey was 6,600. He should have been like 8,500. You go to some of these other pl- right? It's essentially, essentially, that's the that's the main thing. It's like, oh, they got Jarvis Landry right. Oh, okay, but he still lost. Right. So in a vacuum, sometimes these lineups don't look like awful, awful, but it's like major mistakes that people make in cash. And in and in week in week ten, you won't see as many of these like seventy point lineups. These lineups that have like I don't know what they were mashing their head against the keyboard type of stuff. So, like, I'm grateful for these lineups because that 162 would have been just out of the cash line. You know, once you eliminate, like, 2 or 3% of these lineups, I I, I, w- I wouldn't have made money on, on DraftKings in cash because of my, my 2v2 three. Like, I made the exact wrong 3v3, right? I could have played Dotson, Kirk, and the Dolphins defense, and I would have been, been just rolling. Or any one of those, right? I could have switched out any one of those, and I would have been even better. But I made it, so it doesn't matter. Uh, let's see. Uh, sharpshooter, do you have any suggestions for contest selection for 10K bankroll for NFL main slate? Well, that would all depend what you're good at. There's no set. Okay. Uh, okay. I, I, I said, I said, you're right. I did. I said stupid questions were allowed. Okay. What is your edge in all of the contests? Play the contest that you have the biggest edge. So I can't suggest any contest because I don't know where you have an edge. And Sharpshooter says, I would say I'm better at single entry, which is a horrible thing to say. You would say you're better. What What is your edge? What is your ROI? What is the sample size? What is what is the standard deviation of your results? What are your top 10 percentage points? That you can't, I think I am. I say I am. Now, what is it? You should you should get go get, get Roto Tracker, track every track everything. What is your edge? What price points? Right? Study are you studying those contests individually? Like if you play, for instance, in in NFL, if you play the spy every week, or in MLB, you play the 121 single entry. Have you studied every 121 single entry you've ever played? Every single one. How do you know you have an edge? How do you know you're better at it? That's what you should be doing. And then then allocating your bankroll based on that. Okay? I have a bigger edge in large field GPPs. The thing I hate about it is that realizing your, your edge is it's a pain in the ass. Right? 
my biggest edge is in large field GPPs. It's just a matter of you're going to lose 90% of the time to hopefully I bink this season. You know, like that. Time. I mean, like it's just the edge is the greatest there for me. Realizing that that, that EV is is just it's tough. It's tough. It's a small sample. So you should be going through every contest type that you play. You should be studying every contest, every CSV, everything that you do. Okay. You should be studying. Okay. If you're not used to doing it, right? You could, I could do, I could do stuff quickly now, right? Just to spot major mistakes. Like I'm, I'm, I'm satisfied with my process because I've studied stuff so much that I could just, okay, let me just, let me see what a couple of people did. Like I know I, I check out 20 different players or whatever and go, okay, okay. I see what they did there. Oh, okay. I did a little of that. Um, did I make any major mistakes? Oh, yeah, I may, may have had a little too much of that. Yeah, I probably did a little too much. And then I'm good. But like back in the day, 2015, 2016, I spent four hours a day studying CSVs. Four hours every single day. Seven days a week for weeks and months of, upon a time. And I was just playing soccer. And I was studying four hours a day. We didn't have results DB back then. So I had to just download the CSV. I didn't even have a tool to like see exposures and stuff. No, I just literally line by line. Let me take a look at Saramex lineups. Let me take a look at Pew Pew Pew's lineups. Let me take a look at old T's lineups. This is soccer. Soccer, soccer sharp people. Who did they play? How did they arrange players together? Oh, oh, okay. Why did they play this guy and that guy? I didn't even consider that guy, but it seemed like all these people were playing that guy. Why? Right. And oh, set piece taker for the biggest favor. Oh, okay. I get it now. Right. What are certain people doing over others? And you just keep on studying lineups. And you'll learn how to play the game just by studying lineups. Back then we didn't have we didn't have shows like this. We barely had projections even back then for anything, let alone soccer, which there were none back then. So how else how else am I going to get better other than studying the players that are like, well, they seem to be doing well. So what are you doing? And what are you what are you doing in comparison? How many dead lineups are there in a in a contest? Right? So you download so you download the CSV. Let's say you're playing single entry 500 man contest. Okay, what's the projection and ownership of all the lineups in the contest? Do you know that? How many low projected lineups are there? Right? Because I could download this, I mean, this massive double $25 double. I could, da- DraftKings, you could download all this information. So you could download this file exactly. And then plug in your projections next to each lineup and have it compute everything. And then see, it's like, okay, how many, how many, if if there's a certain projection level that you believe is just like, these lineups are, are are definitely negative EV. Just count up how how what's the percentage of the field that is playing a lineup? Like for instance, in cash cash games are easy because you don't have to consider really ownership at all. So let's say the project your your median projection of your lineup that you played in cash is like one thirty five. So it's like any lineup in this in this contest that like projects for lower than like I'm I'm using on a, on a on a really really exaggerated sense, 110. Are there any lineup? Well, how many percentage of lineups in this contest projected for 110 based on your projections? I would say that it should be like under 125, but let's say 110. Those are like the really bad lineups. And then how many, what's the percentage of that? 
8%, what do you know in the contest that you're playing, right? And this is for cash. So you don't have to concern ownership either. Maybe 112. How, what percentage of lineups are within five points of your own? Those would be the sharper lineups for cash games at least. And you go, okay, I want to play the contest where a majority more of the field is playing really crappy projected lineups, right? Am I playing those contests? You'll find in the multi-entry double-ups, the percentage of bad lineups goes dramatically down. Why? Because the sharp players, a lot of times, just play 150 of their same lineup trains in it. So the cash lines in those contests tend to be much higher. And the and the bad players just put in a single lineup. You just go, oh, okay, play one lineup. They're not playing 20 lineups or 50 lineups of the same lineup over and over again. So that's why I don't play the multi-entry ones. Right, unless I get to the point where I need more, vo- I need more volume. There's no need for me to play those. And then in in like single entry GPPs, you could do the same thing. You cut. What is the projection versus ownership that you believe is the cutoff of like a plus EV lineup, and see how many lineups are underneath that. And that's what you would consider like the the bad lineups. And you're not gauging what contest to play by the good players. You should be gauging the contest to play by the number of bad players. So I'm not, I have no problem playing in contests with sharp players. In soccer, I do it all the time, right? So the soccer lobby, especially in the small field and cash game stuff, very sharp players, right? I'll play three mans, I'll play five mans, be Saramac and Pew and Redcoat, all those guys. It's like, dude, if I get one guy in a, in a three man with one of those, it's rando, I'm good. I'm judging the contest based on that because I don't care about Pew. I care about the third guy. In a five-man, I care about, can we get one or even two other people that I are I don't even see regularly in the lobby? That's all I care about. I, I look in the, the single-entry contests or whatever, and I, or down, the d- double-ups or anything. I go, how many, how many players that I don't recognize in here? And I go, I'm going to judge, okay, I want the most amount of those people. So just like in your single entry contest, download the CSVs of all the, if you played the red zone, the spies, the jukes, the whatever, whatever the hell you're playing, download the CSV, plug in your projections, right? We even, hey, you could do this with the theory of daily fantasy sports for advanced players. Okay. It's, it's my new advanced course. Right, we came out with the first one two years ago. This one just came out what two weeks ago, or so? Two weeks, yeah, I think. Uh, and it, it includes Excel tools, right? James McCool built the Excel tools, and one of them is called. It, we have a contest reviewer, right? Very similar to Results DB, right? But in Results DB, we only have like the main content. Like you can only select through what we what Roto Grinders and Fantasy Labs have uplo- up- uploaded. So, like, you can't look like, oh, well, I play this contest that's not one of these. Well, then how would you look at them? Well, you could download the CSV. I mean, you could do this manually. I used to do this manually. I did this manually, right? But James made it a little bit easier for me. See, so we have a contest reviewer. So it's one of these tools, right? I put up the tools here. Includes custom DraftKings tools because DraftKings provides all the CSVs. So they're all geared towards DraftKings. Where you could download your CSV of your contest. And your proje- you'd use your projections, right? Which you could, I mean, if you're using Roto-Grinders projections, you just download them from Lineup HQ, right? So you put in the, you insert the projections. 
you insert the you insert everything, the ownership and everything like that, and then you can go to any single player in all the lineups, and it will show you the the projection, the floor, the ceiling, whatever if you have them, the median projection and the total, the ownership sum of every lineup based on your projections. So you could do that and go. I mean, I was I was I I could have. We have the show the showdown stuff. I was trying to. I, I got a problem with my CSV, so I so. I, I can't show that to you, and I didn't. I, I didn't save the projection, the blitz projections from uh, Sunday, or they're one of the. I, I can't find them. I, I have like seven million projection files from Sunday, and I don't know what is what. And I scrambling before the show, but I could have showed you that. But that's what you do. So I could download whatever contest it is, and you want to count up. You come up. You come up with the threshold. I don't know what the threshold is for the specific contest. And you go, well, if you were building lineups, like if the top optimal was 135 and the ownership was 150, let's say, I'm just making, just making an example. And you built a lineup for this contest that had, that you, you believe you is 120 projected at 128 and has an ownership of 110. Look at sharp players and see what theirs are. And if you're in the, about the same range, that you're probably doing something right directionally. And if that's true, then you go, well, what would you consider? What was your, the maybe, maybe you could have played a lineup that's like 125 projected at like 80 percentage point owned. Like that would still be fine. We higher variance lineup that still would be plus EV. But maybe you get down to the point that for this single entry contest, for X amount of users, a thousand, you like anything that's under 120. Like it doesn't matter how old they are. Like you just you probably that's pro that's probably a bad lineup, right? So then you just look. It's like how many lineups here projected for 120 or less, and you could just do that in the contest reviewer that we have with the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports for advanced players, Theory of DFS You look, you count. You go, you go look there and you go, okay, let's, there's a thousand entries in this contest. How many entries are 125 or below in projection on your projections? Obviously it doesn't mean your projections are right, but you'd look and you say, okay. And you count and you go, oh, there were, there were 260 entries that were projected under 125. And you go, okay, 26% of the field are playing negative EV lineups or whatever, like, just, these are broad. There's, that's, that's not an exact science. It's just broadly determining. Then you go to another contest that you played. Maybe you played the red zone or whatever, some other contest. And you do the same thing. And you go, obviously, the bigger the size of the contest, the lower projection could be a plus EV lineup because the bigger the field is, the more leverage you need to get. So you do the same thing for all those contests. And you try to determine how many bad lineups there are in there. You're not looking for good lineups. You're looking for bad lineups. How many of my opponents are playing bad lineups? And you try to judge that on a week-to-week basis, on a slate to sl- on a on a day-to-day basis, like in the like the one twenty-one in MLB. You can do that every day, and go what percentage of the field is playing bad lineups? And you want to play contests that more of the field is playing bad lineups. So if you find that over the course of whatever whatever amount of time, I'm using baseball because it's a daily sport, so it's much easier because you can play every day rather than NFL that you play once a week. But let's say you play the $12 single entry, the 121 single entry, the $40 single entry, whatever, and you study that every day and you and you count and you maybe even log it down. You even log it. You go, okay, the 121 today, 
I've determined that 22% of lineups were bad. Just on, on face value bad. And then in the $40 single entry, you're like, oh, only 8% of lineups were bad. Right? And then you go the next day and you go, okay, the 121, 18% of lineups were bad. In the $40 single entry, 10% of lineups were bad. Right? And you keep on going. And, and maybe maybe after a, a decent enough sample size, you, you determine it's like, wow, there's much... There's much more bad play in the 121 single entry than there is in the $40 single entry, right? In the $12 single entry, maybe it's in the middle. So you're counting up bad lineups and you go, yeah, maybe I should be playing the 121 more, right? Maybe I shouldn't even be playing the $40 single entry. Maybe I should devote that $40 to something else, to a contest that has more amounts of bad lineups. in. Now, obviously, if you do it with the large field stuff, you're going to find a lot more bad lineups. That's, that's where That's where the edge comes in. You could... You know, some, there's some, you could go to the Millie, for instance, the Millie in NFL, right? I'm not, understand also that there's an, there's, there's, with these tools, with the theory of DFS, there's, there's a limit to them. Okay. Cause you're dealing with Excel. So if you're going to download the Millie this past week, the $5 one with like 1.1 million entries, it, it's not going to work. I'm, I'm going to tell you that right now, uh, to support a, a million rows and be able to do that, the thing's going to, going to crash on. Okay, so yes, for most contests, two hundred thousand entries, it could it could get done. But I I tried to I literally tried doing it with the the milli and don't even bother. Uh, it's not like it takes long. It like it literally crashes because it's it, a million rows. It 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 just goes. I don't know what to do with all this. But if you did with the five dollar milli, you'd find that like thirty thirty five percent of lineups in the milli are horrible lineups. I mean, it's like it's that bad. Now you're competing against a lot of lineups. So like, oh, your edge is there and all the money's in the top spot and it's one in a million, right? Like, so like you have the most amount of edge, but realizing that is just hot. Hopefully, you know, hopefully happens in your lifetime, right? If not, it probably will take like 1700 lifetimes for that to actually happen and realize it once. So that's the downside of those types of things. Like you can have a humongous edge. Just it's hard. It's hard to realize it, right? The, the chance of getting hit by lightning, right? Maybe 5 million to one. And someone offers you like a billion to one bet on it of you getting hit by lightning. It's like, that's an immense edge. But what's the chances of you actually getting hit by life, lightning in your lifetime? You, to realize that, would you put would you put your entire net worth into that bet? Probably not because yes, you're getting paid way more than the actual odds, but it's only going to happen 5 million. I mean, it's it's it's... It's, it's not going to happen. <laughs> you have to live like like tons of lifetimes, a trillion and trillion lifetimes in order for that to, to realize that. So understand that difference. And the smaller field single entry stuff, much more likely to realize that edge. So sometimes I can understand if you find that like, okay, I have a big edge in large field GPP, but I still have an edge in single entry, smaller field stuff, but I can realize that quicker Then maybe you do that. Right. So like large field GPPs, let's say 26% of lineups are horrible. And this, this single entry contest, there's 18% of lineups are horrible. It's like, yeah, well, you're much more likely to play the large field stuff, but 18% of lineups being horrible. And it's, I mean, that's like pays for the rake. So why not play that as well? If not play that more, because you're more likely to realize your EV in those contests. Uh, Rob B says, since buying your course 20 months ago, I've only deposited twice. Okay, which doesn't necessarily mean anything because you could take your money in and out. 
Both times for best ball went from a losing player to slightly profitable, but getting closer. By the course, it's so plus EV. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Rob. Hit that thumbs up button. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, 12-pack abs, do you stick to one cash line of per slate? Typically, yeah. You could you could play you could play four hundred cash lineups if you want. All all you're doing all you're doing is reducing your variance by doing that. You know there's no, there's no you're reducing your variance and lowering your 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 expected value by doing that. Okay, so you could play you could play two cash lineups, three cash lineups, eighteen cash lineups, eighteen hundred cash lineups. But theoretically, one is better than two, is better than three, is better than four, is better than five, is better than six, is better. than... So eventually, you know, you're playing lineups that are not anywhere close to as good as the, the first one that you made in win percentage. But so your your ROI is going down, but your variance is being reduced, which means you're more more likely to not lose a ton or not win a ton doing that. So if you're like, oh, I got this 2v2 and I can't decide between the two and you want to split that into two different cash lineups, you can. In the long run, mathematically, it doesn't matter. You're doing that simply to reduce variance in a very small sample size. So there's no such thing as better or not. So I know people that that do it. But technically, one lineup is going to be slightly better than the other lineup in the long run. In the long run is infinite, right? You may not see the difference between the two lineups in ROI, like to the human eye, for a million times. But one is still slightly one still is slightly better. Uh, Scorpion McScore, what do you think about the cash liner for NFL last week having a twenty-five point higher cash line versus tournament cash line? That's normal. I don't know. What do I think? Why? Why wouldn't that be? Asking a question like that means that you do not understand the context of each contest. Because this is what this is what people will say, okay? I played a lineup in, in the double up. I'm going to go through exactly. I know exactly what you're thinking, right? Like I said, I'm allowing stupid questions today. I played the twenty-five dollar double up. I scored 158 points in the double up. I didn't cash, right? I'm just saying this is what you would say in your head. I went to the the the, the flea flicker or something, whatever the three dollar, whatever the hell contest the cash line was 142 right okay so my 158 wouldn't have doubled would have got 1.5 x right so my 25 would have been 37.50 or something whatever if you want to compare the two or maybe it was at the 2x line because remember it starts at one and a half x typically then it goes to 2x you go well why don't i play my cash lineup why don't i play my cash lineup in, in gpps Instead of playing in the double ups, it's like, well, because your cash lineup in GPPs is negative EV, right? Because the percentile outcome in a GPP, you need to get up to the 75th percentile. Now, just because lineups, there are a lot of bad lineups in those, those contests, doesn't make your lineup profitable by doing so. You're going to have to do that. You're going to have to 1.5. Remember, the cash line and GPPs are typically 1.5x, okay? And they pay at like the 75th percentile, the top 25%. Right? You don't get a 2x payout until maybe like 
like the top, like 82nd percentile, like the top 18 percent or something. Okay. So you need to get a score up in that range to get 1.5 X. So if you want to make a comparable cash line, one point, how many times over the course of, let's say an 18 week season, do you have to 1.5 X in order to make a profit? If you do it on nine at 18, you lose money. Do it on 10 at 18, you lose money. You have to like 13 out of 18 times to be profitable at a 1.5 X rather than a double up, which 10 at 18, you're profitable, right? 10 slight, very slightly profitable. 11 at 18, you would be better on, a, on an NFL season. If you want to go by 18 weeks, which is such a small sample size, like you should be doing it by much larger sample size. You're not going to cash 1.5 X in that line that like to cash a lot to build a lineup that can cash 13 out of 18 weeks at the 1.5 X line of GPPs is really damn hard. Like you, you're, you're not, you're the lineup that you play in the, in the $25 double up. If you did that, doesn't have that shot. It doesn't. Right. So even though on most, okay, I did a 12 at 18. You lost, you still lost money. There's a 1.5 X payout. And also in GPPs, all the money, all the equity is in the top spots, right? Double ups, everything is, is evened out. Now, what's the reason why the cash line in double ups can be sometimes much higher than GPPs? Because the people that play cash games tend to be sharper, right? You're going to, in the large field GPPs, you're going to find the most amount of casual players. $5 double ups, you're not going to find as many. So the field is going to be sharper. And if the chalk does well, the double up cash lines will be way higher than the GPP cash lines. If the chalk doesn't do well, it will be the reverse. Imagine yesterday, okay, we're going to go to the, what, the, uh, the double ups, right? This is the $25 double up. Imagine Michael Pittman with five points. Imagine Jalen Hurts with 10 points. Imagine Saquon Barkley only at eight points. And Kelsey had 10 at tight end. Imagine that. Imagine the chalk didn't hit. You'd look at you'd look at the the dub the double up cash line would be 25 points lower than the GPP cash line. Because in GPPs, people are playing things that aren't the chalk as much. Or bad lineup. I mean, literally bad lineups. But the chalk didn't hit. If the chalk didn't hit, then you're going to find the reverse. Then you're going to find like, wow. You know, my GPP lineups would have crushed cash games. Yeah, of course. Yeah. When 65% Michael Pittman only has five points. When when uh, the top quarterback on the slate only has 10 points. And Saquon Barkley in a third of the lineups only has eight points. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. So that's why this... Past week in week one, it's like, oh, okay, chalk did well, which means cash lineups did well, right? And there are more sharp players that play cash than they they compile compared to large field GPPs where a lot more casuals play. Now, obviously, in double ups in NFL, there's still plenty of casuals that do play double ups, and that's what I was talking about before of determining your edge by counting how many bad lineups there are in a contest, not by how sharp the players are. Like the top players, you want the how many how many garbage players are there? You look at the lineups and go, oh my god, I don't know who's building these lineups. I want them to continue building those lineups because they're horrible, right? You're gonna find more of those horrible lineups in GPPs than you would in double ups. 
Now in the first couple of weeks of NFL, you're gonna it's the softest sport because it's the most casual participation. We get to the basketball when NBA starts up next month. You'll see in the beginning of the season that the double ups will be a little a little bit uh, weaker. We like oh okay then by by a couple of you know within within a month or two, cash games will be much harder. You'll look at the bottom of a twenty five dollar fifty dollar double ups or whatever five dollar whatever double ups you're playing. And you go, wow, there aren't as many bad lines in here as I remember from a month ago. Yeah, because you play double-ups. If you're not playing high-projected lineups and double-ups, I mean, especially in NBA, where where the player distributions are way more normal, like, you're just going to get crushed. So how long does a a casual player say, I'm going to play a double-up? I'm going to play a double-up lineup every day and then lose, like, like nine out of ten days and go, I'm sick of this. Right. If I'm going to, if I'm going to play $5 a day, I'm going to play at least to try to win $50,000 and try to double my money. Right. And that's what they do. <sighs> Defic, when, when do you try to correlate in cash games and ever? I don't care about correlation in cash games. If, if, if anything, negative correlation may even be better. Cash games, you don't, cor- what does correlation do? This is the reason. See, like I said, you're allowed to ask, ask stupid questions today. If you would have actually listened to the theory of daily fantasy sports, you would even, not even consider asking this question because you'd be like, that's a dumb question because the answer, I've talked about this ad nauseum, right? Theoryofdfs.com. What does correlation do to your lineup? Okay. Think in terms of concepts. Remember, not magic settings. There's no right answers. There's literally never a right answer. So never could, when do you, I don't know. Well, what's the slate? What is this? I don't know. I don't know. What, what, what type of question is that? So what does correlation do to your lineup? It increases the lineup's variance. Why does it increase the lineup's variance? Because multiple player distributions are tied to one another, Right? So as one thing happens, another thing's more likely to happen. Not saying it does happen, just more likely. When you play Mahomes, Kelsey, and Juju in the same lineup, if Mahomes ends up with eight points, what do you think Kelsey and Juju's score is going to be? Not very good, right? Probably unless unless Mahomes got injured and then you know, what Chad Henney came in and threw tons of points. I mean that could happen, but most likely if Mahomes has as a bad score. Kelsey has a bad score and Juju has a bad score. Now, what happens if Juju what happens if Juju has 48 fantasy points? Okay. 200 yards, three touchdowns, whatever. Probably Mahomes had a good game, right? Probably did. But if he had that much reduction, Kelsey probably didn't have that great of a game. Right? It's only one of them. It, it, Juju's catching three touchdowns and 200 yards. Kelsey's probably not, not so much. Right now, he could still have a good, decent game. He's still have sixteen points. Right, so how are the player distributions tied to one another? That's what correlation does, and it increases the variance of your lineup. If you have instead of Mahomes in the cap in the quarterback spot, and you have Jalen Hurts, okay, uh, if Jalen Hurts has a good game, Jalen Hurts has seven million points. How does that affect Juju and Kelsey? Well, you're gonna say. Well, Hertz Hurt is on the Eagles. How does that affect Juju and Kelsey at all? Why well, it doesn't. It's not correlated. 
So Hertz's big game is correlated to who? AJ Brown and Dallas Goddard and everything like that. This is things that increase the variance of your lineup. Why would you increase the variance of your lineup? To increase the range of outcomes that are available to you, which is beneficial in what types of contests? Contests where you're aiming for first place because the payout goes up exponentially towards the end, this hockey stick at the end. So first place pays more than second place, pays more than third place, which is called a progressive payout. You would want to increase the variance of your lineup as much as you can while still having a a high enough projected lineup. You want to gain relative value, right? By having it then be the, the range of outcomes being wide and the ownership being as low as possible for that in order to get access to have more of a shot at first place. Now, when you play a double up, why do you care about first place? First place pays the same as 50th, you know, 100 man, 50, 50 or whatever. So I don't want to increase the variance of my lineup. In fact, I want to, I want to reduce the variance of my lineup. I want the most narrow range of outcomes. I don't care. Right. If, if, if the, the median, if the median projection of your lineup is 135, like what's the point? Oh, I could add correlation and now uh, drop my projection of 132. I've increased the variance of my lineup. I've increased my range of outcomes, but I've lowered my median score. It's going to happen. The median is going to happen less often, right? Less than 135. Why would you do that in a double? You gain nothing by increasing the variance of your lineup because the top X percent pay the same no matter what. Coming in first, right? We look at results DB at this, this $25 double up, right? Let's go to the go to the top. Uh, let's go to the leaderboard, right? Yeah, this guy, 1B954. Look at this guy's lineup. This was a double up lineup, by the way. Cousins, Taylor, Barkley, Jefferson, Pittman, Dubs, Kelsey, Dotson, Pittsburgh defense. I mean, dude, this is like a... Could this lineup... This lineup could have won the Millie Maker or something. I mean, like, look at look at it. Look at this. Let's see, 239.3. Let, let's take a look. Let's look at the at the the play action, which is still like large. So 239.38. And that's loading. This is a lot of entries. 239.3. Yeah, that would have won. That would have won the play action for $50,000 based on this, okay? Go back to the double up over here. So it's like, dude, my lineup, which scored 162, won the same amount of money as, as this lineup. Like, so what? what is increasing the variance of your lineup do? Nothing in double ups. So you, you shouldn't be looking to... Now, if it just so happens that the best projected lineup right? The top projected lineups because one team is, if Mahomes was minimum price and Juju was minimum price and Kelsey was minimum price and Christian McCaffrey was minimum price, like it doesn't matter what they're correlated are. It's just like, no, that from a, from a price salary adjusted value, they're the best play. They're the, why wouldn't that's, that's how you build the highest median lineup. So it doesn't matter if they're correlated or not. Right. And I'm not going to go out of my way to say like, oh, well, this lineup projects for two points less and it's correlated. That's a GPP mindset. In 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 uh, in cash games, you almost want the negative of that, right? 
It's quite possible you don't mind negative correlation if it ensures that you get more points in the middle, right? The mean and the median. So like when people are like, oh, you didn't stack in cash games. Like who stacks in cash? I don't even think of that. In fact, I'm less likely to, right? If 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 I had a choice in my in my cash lineup, for instance, let's get, get my cash lineup back here. If I had a choice, for instance, of like playing AJ AJ Brown, uh, uh, AJ Brown, which is a different different price. AJ Brown or or or, or uh, Marquise Brown, right? They were close enough in price. Of course, Marquise Brown projected better than AJ Brown, but let's say I had the choice. But I was playing Jalen Hurts at quarterback, and let's say the two were very close projected. I'd be more inclined to play Marquise Brown than play AJ Brown. Marquise over AJ. But like, well, you have Hurts in your lineup. Why don't you play AJ? It's a cash lineup. I don't care about increasing the variance of my lineup correlation increases the variance of your lineup. So let's say Hertz has a bad game. That means AJ Brown is a bad game. And I have both in my lineup, right? If I have Marquise Brown, he's not correlated to Jalen Hertz. So Marquise Brown could have a great game without Hertz having a great game. Hertz could have a great game without Marquise Brown having a great game. And I want to narrow my range of outcomes. So I, I'm less likely to correlate in cash games, if anything. The only reason I'd have multiple players from the same team or the same game is because they just their salary adjusted value is just the highest, right? Juju and Kelsey. It's like, okay, well, they just happen to be mispriced. I mean, if Juju was 6,800 and Kelsey was 8,500, I probably have neither in my lineup, right? Just They just happen to be best projected salary adjusted values on the slate. So that's why I played it. It had nothing to do with correlation. Remember, why are you using correlation? To increase the variance of your lineup. Why would you increase the variance of your lineup? You would do that in GPPs, okay? These are called contextual variables. I go through literally all of the contextual variables, right? They're in the archetypes chapter, 56 minute long. Literally all, like what, what, based on the sports player distributions, what should you should be thinking. How do you increase the variance of your lineup in that? Based on that, how, what in GPP, what do you do? Like the, once you, once you know the concepts from the first course, you, you, you wouldn't even need chapter seven because you'd be able to think of that on your own. But you have to understand the concepts, the concepts first. There's no right answer. There's no right answer. So did I tell you like how much should you correlate in cash game? That, that, well, that depends. Should you correlate in GPPs? It depends. In large field GP, in the largest, in the millimaker, like the $5 millimaker that had like a million entries, like uh, on Sunday, I would have suggested to not play double stacks with a run back. You go, well, that's ultra correlation. Doesn't correlation increase the variance of your lineup? And by playing a quarterback with two pass catchers and then a run back, on the other side, so they go back and forth in the game and they score a lot of points. Doesn't that vastly increase the variance of your lineup? I go, absolutely. Absolutely it does. But you're also playing against 1.1 million entries. And the likelihood of someone having a lineup that's close to the nuts is much, much higher, right? Having the right, co- correct one-offs, right? The guy that did well here and the guy that did well there is much more likely in a contest 
with 1 million entries than a contest with 50,000 entries. 50,000 sounds large, but 1 million is really large. So it's like, do I want, do I want to lock myself out of something that's close to the nuts, the optimal lineup like that by having, I, I need one of the games to just go 48 to 35. And if that doesn't happen, it's most likely there's some receiver in some game that could have been in that slot that put up 29 points instead of the one that I have that had 17, right? Just it was, the game didn't go off to that, to score 80 points in the game. So in, the, in that type of large contest, it'd be like, okay, I'm more likely to play just single stacks, right? Single stack, maybe, maybe a run back, right? There's some lineups, depending on the price, that you could play the double stacks or something, you know, play just a double stack, just quarterback, two wide receivers, and no run back, right? To leave yourself open for those one-offs that you may need because the lineup that wins that contest is going to be closest to the nuts. Now, what I'm saying is completely diametrical to what I just said before, right? Well, I want to increase the variance of my lineup. So I'm going to add a ton of correlation. It's like, yeah, but now you're saying that that correlation is bad because it's it's locking you out of the nuts. I go, yeah, that's absolutely right also. So you know what you have to do? Balance the two. There's no one right answer. There's no right answer. Do you do X or do you do Y? Incorrect. Both are incorrect. You could do some lineups like this, some lineups like that, but it's a balance. You have to weigh the benefits that you get from adding a ton of correlation to your lineup to the negatives that you get by playing such a large field contest that your lineup is less likely to be the nuts because some bunch of one-offs go, you know, are going to be somewhere around and someone has the combination, right? Who knows who it is? I mean, there's so many lineups in there that someone may have the combination that you're locking yourself out to that combination. So you have to weigh the two against each other. Find a middle ground. What is that middle ground? I don't know. You look and you go, okay, maybe I could double stack here, but not run. instead of running it back, I'm going to play this guy instead of that guy. I mean, you look. You have to look at the lineups, the individual lineups. You're playing a contest with 500 entries. That lineup's going to come nowhere near the nuts. The winning lineup is not going to be the nuts, most likely. Some weird, like in MLB, the nuts is typically a bunch of one-offs that hit a bunch of home runs, but good luck trying to come up with that type of lineup and be successful on a, on a consistent basis. It's, it's so random people banging their head against the keyboard could end up doing that sometimes. And there's enough bad entries that that happens, but in a 500 entry contest, like feel free to now in a 500 entry contest, li- listen to this, listen to the counterintuitive thing, 500 entry contest, which means you don't need to increase the variance of your lineup that much, right? So you're like, oh, I could play my cash lineup. It's like, nah, cash lineup, that's that's too low variance, right? That lineup's going to be way too owned, right? You still need to gain some leverage, some relative value. So in that 500 entry contest, you go, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to stack. I'm just going to single stack. I'm going to play Jalen Hurts with A.J. Brown, right? Do something like that. I'm going to play, I'm going to play Barkley. I'm going to play, but instead of playing McCaffrey, I'm going to play Mixon. And then instead of uh, Michael Pittman, I'm going to play someone else, play Christian Kirk or something. And and okay, I'm good. Projections decent. The ownership went down. It's like, okay, you could do that, right? That would be perfectly fine. 
because you don't need to increase the variance of your lineup so much. So you think in terms of, well, how much correlation do I need, right? Because the more correlation you add, the more that you can increase the variance of your lineup. So you're like, well, I'm not going to double stack and bring back. And, you know, you're you're thinking about like, well, I could do Hertz, Goddard, uh, Brown, AJ Brown, and DeAndre Swift. That's a three plus one. You go, but I do I need that much correlation in a lineup with in a contest with 500 people? No, you don't. You don't. But because the lineup that wins a 500-person contest, you don't even need anywhere near the nuts. You could even win that contest with a snowflake in your lineup, right? You could win that contest with a zero in your lineup, okay? Because of that, correlation, even though it increases the variance of your lineup, it lowers the likelihood of you hitting the nuts, which is good for a contest like that because you, now you're guaranteeing yourself points. So maybe you decide in a 500-person contest to overstack. You go, I'm going to play Hertz, uh, Hertz, Brown, Goddard, Swift, and Amon Ross St. Brown, a three plus two. And I'm just going to bet on this game. And if this game scores well, it doesn't have to score a billion points because why? You only have to beat 500 entries, right? So now you're, you're, you have five correlated players in your lineup, which is obviously if the game duds, your lineup's like screwed, right? So obviously your range of outcomes is going to be wider. But you're, you're, but more players that you add to your lineup from that game, the less and less chance you have to hitting the nuts. So your highest possible score starts coming down, even though your range of outcomes is wider. But in a 500-person contest, that may be beneficial. So you don't have to try to pick and choose who does well in what game. You're just like, I'm going to bet on one game. If that does well, I could beat 500 people that way. Now imagine getting down to like 50 people, a 50-entry contest. You could, I've seen people play like seven players from the same game in a contest with 40 to 50 entries in it. They just go, uh, this Chiefs-Cardinals uh, game, I'm just going to play as many players. And then as long as I have players from three different teams, a different defense and a Something like that. And that as long as that game does well, you, you, you ain't going to win a large field GPP. You're probably not even going to win a thousand person GPP or 500 person GPP. But you could surely beat 50 other people doing that. If that game goes off, I mean, the game doesn't go off. You come in last place. You know, I mean, that's what I mean by the range of outcomes is wider. So even though you're adding tons of correlation and it is increasing the variance of your lineup, like you're weighing it against what's the optimal score. What's that nut score that you need? And the larger the contest that there is, the, the the more likely, more and more likely that the winning score is closest to the nuts score. You'll see that in basketball a lot, right? The larger the contest, you go. It's like okay, if you didn't have if you didn't have the 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 five percent owned guy that you know went you know fifteen x for for four thousand or something, it's like you're 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 done. You can't win. In baseball, that that the guy that hits two home runs at twenty two hundred may barely even be owned. The eighth hitter of some hit some team that no one played on a fifteen game MLB slate. So baseball, like those scores, the difference between even a large field contest to the nut the nut, which is the highest possible score by based on what came out, is going to be very wide. You'll you'll see an MLB there. You could have made a lineup that scored two hundred and ninety points in MLB. And the winning GPP lineup is like 198. Because it's like, yeah, three 1% on players hit a bunch of stuff and like random stuff all over the place on a very large slate. 
It's like, well, you, you don't need anywhere close to that in baseball, even in large field GPPs. In basketball, especially on the smaller slates, five-game slate, it's like that winning score in that large field GPP is going to be very close to the nut line. NFL, there's a lot there's a lot more options in NFL than you think. So like, yeah, in the Millie Maker, that, that lineup that wins the Millie Maker, it'll be closer to the nuts. So you'll see a lot of times the nut lineup is still, you know, 20 points higher, 30 points higher. But at least it's closer. It's not 100 points. Basketball may be, may be much lower. So you have to weigh the benefits of correlation with the positive, the positives and negatives of correlation with the positive and negatives of how close do I need to get to the nut lineup? Small field contest, you don't need to get to the nut lineup. Large field contest, you more more priority to the nut lineup. So even though one is the opposite of the other, it's like, well, so it's, do I correlate or do I not correlate? Well, that, you can see through that explanation that the, the answer is neither yes nor no, which is one of the main reasons why I often say that you can judge whether or not your question is stupid in my eyes, stupid, dumb, right? That you don't understand the concepts well enough that if you can answer the question with a yes or no, or with an exact number, how often should I do S? 7% of the time. There's no number. Like, what What are you looking for? There's no number there. So most questions, I don't want to say all questions. Like, how often should you play George Kittle when he's not playing? Like, zero. Yeah, yeah. Those are definitive answers. Don't play injured players that aren't playing. You're probably playing. And even then, even then, I always say that, like, okay, uh, the, here's a question that has a yes or no answer. It's like, should you play back uh, injured players that uh, that are on the IR? And I say, even that's not 100%. No, because you would say, no, obviously that's a no. Don't play injured players that are guaranteed to get zero points because there are contests where that player can win you, win you, the, win you the tournament. You see that in NBA showdown a lot. Okay. A zero. Because all the production is all is all condensed on like four different players, and the only way to fit those four different players in your lineup in NBA Showdown is to play the two the two hundred dollar guy that didn't even see any playing time. It has a zero. Maybe he's injured. I <laughs> mean, the IR guy. The only way, and that's the best possible lineup. And there, you play the injured guy, right? There are late swap situations. I've done it in soccer, right? I'm playing a head to head. The games are scattered right? They're staggered. And I'm playing a head-to-head and uh, I'm up by four points. And I only have the goalkeeper to go. My opponent, all of their spots are done. Okay. So you know what I do? I take out the goalkeeper and I put in the back, I put in the backup, the injured goalkeeper. Because goalkeepers can score negative points. If he gives up three goals and no saves, that's negative six and I lose. So I just want to, at that point, I want to guarantee myself a zero. So I switch to the, the, the guy that's not playing. So even then, even the question of, should you play guys that are not even playing? You should never play guys that aren't playing. Like that, that is, yeah, most of the time you don't, you don't. But to say that 100% of the time would not be true. There are situations where it would be optimal to play a guy that's guaranteed a zero. Okay. So even then there's no yes or no kind of answer, right? There's no number to it. So that's why I suggest go to Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports, theoryofdfs.com. Pick up the, the Fundamentals Masterclass. Pick up the Advanced Players course. It comes, it comes with the, the custom Excel tools. Feel free to fool around with them. 
and uh, James has been updating them. I mean, you could ask James any questions you want. He does tech support. There's, there's email. There's video tutorials on them. You could you could do you could do whatever you want with them. You could say, hey, if you're good at Excel, you could you could edit the stuff, and you know, if you have a certain process that you prefer doing, and move stuff around, add stuff to it. it it's, it's it's open source. It's an Excel spreadsheet. Uh, anything else in the chat before we get out of here? Injustice 360, the game stacking podcast with oh uh, yeah the ASA show doesn't exist anymore, but I do a premium show with Tuttle now, right? Which is essentially the same type of show. If you like the ASA show, it's me and Tuttle talk about pretty much the same things. So that's under premium. Get Roto Grinders premium combo premium because even with these Excel tools and TheoryDFS.com. You're going to still need a lineup builder. You're going to still need player and ownership projections. So you better sign up for Roto-Grinders Premium. Click on that link in the description. Get $10 off your first month. Hit that thumbs up button on your way out the door. We got MLB Grinders Live later today. It's a lighter day today, right? Lighter. I got soccer today. We got Champions League. Great. The best sweat in all of DFS. Champions League group stage soccer. So that that's at, that's at 3 o'clock Eastern. So... Feel free to, to get our get our soccer projections. They'll come out when the, the the starting lineups come out an hour before kickoff. They'll be updated. So maybe I'll see you in the soccer streets today. But uh, but I will see you tomorrow, right? Maybe we get some initial projections for... Uh, I mean, we do have projections for the Sunday, this, this week two slate, but I think they need to do some manual updates in here because there's some people that I don't even think are in. I don't think Higgins is going to play. If he's in the concussion protocol, typically, eh, typically they don't, but... We'll see. We'll go over stuff and yeah, I'll answer your DFS strategy questions like I always do on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com. <laughs>